Hey, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to our NC Weekly Podcast. We hope the message you're about to hear will encourage you, inspire you, and help build your faith. So lean in with us, enjoy the message, and be sure to stick around at the end to learn more about how you can take a next step here at New Community. Good to have you here. Um, we are in the series of, our series is called, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands. And there's this whole aspect that we chatted about that God has the world in his hands and we're always kind of looking through this middle of this pandemic and everything else saying, how in the world does God have the whole world in his hands when everything seems to be falling apart? And I think we'd all agree on, with that, whether no matter what side of the political aisle we are on, we're all wearing masks, we're all in the middle of this pandemic. And this whole frustration, we're saying, where is God in all this? And the beauty of what we looked at last week is God's plan is always the same, pandemic or not. God's plan is always the same, economy up, economy down. God's plan is always the same. And he has this plan that he wants to use us. Or the plan as we defined it last week was Y-O-U, he's got you. And when he's using you in the middle of it all, and in the middle of the political fear, in the middle of the pandemic fear and the political angst that we have, what it, God is calling you. And last week we chatted about, oh darn, I'll be right back. I can't, I have to have this. So, first time in the history of New Community I've ever done that. That's pretty cool. Thank you, thank you. Last week, if you were gone, you know, you don't ever want to miss a you know, service because I always give stuff away. Like last week we gave white rocks away. You take your white rock home, anyone take their home? And, and you write something on it. I wrote, I wrote this word on it, Spiro. And um, I'm not going to tell you what it is because in, in Revelation 7, uh, 2.17, he says, God wants to reward us with stuff as Christians. And it's based on how we obey him. It's not heaven and hell. This is mostly just rewards. Things that God wants to give you. Um, 15 different types of rewards. One of them is, and they're all conditional. If you obey, he'd love to hand that to you. He'd love to give you riches in heaven. Jesus talks about treasures in heaven. And it's always based on conditions. One of them is in Revelation 2.17, and he says, I have a white rock ready for you. And it has a name that I want to put on there. This is the name that I heard kind of God speak to me this week on. Uh, But Jesus will have some name that only I'll understand. If I choose to kind of follow him, if I choose to continually Listen to what he has to say. And mainly rewards are all about who you are in life and will you fulfill that. And God never wants our life to be put on pause. Isn't that what the pandemic's all about? In a sense, Christianity, if we've bought into this, have chosen to just be on pause. And I'm not talking about the barn or the gathering place or even you at home. And some of you have pre-existing conditions. You have to be there. But God never wants you to be on pause. He has something for you. And it's called purpose. And if we live our purpose and fulfill our purpose, and when we blow it, we say, we're wrong, we're sorry, will you forgive me and keep moving on towards that purpose? We're all sinners saved by grace. God wants to reward you over and over and over again in different places, all over the place. What if if we were just to say, what if we said to God, What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? What if we lived our whole life that way? God says for some Christians, not for all of us, maybe not for all of us in this room, but for some, I have a nickname that I'm gonna put on a white rock. 
and I'm going to have a meal, and, you, and it will have manna. Never, I don't, you know, I don't know what manna tastes like. Hopefully not lime, like lima beans. I can't stand lima beans, but hopefully it's better than that. But there's a meal that God will reward us with, and all kinds of things. And one of the, the strange things, and, and, and usually heavenly descriptions are really pretty odd. It's kind of like living in the 70s and seeing one of these phones. You're like, what? why do people just put rectangles next to their head all the time, right? We would think it's super strange. But in the 80s, you'd still think so. And maybe, you know, 20 years ago, you may have thought, maybe I could see something like that. But it's the same in the Bible. There's some things like this, like a white rock, that Jesus wants to name you, how you were purposed, if you choose to fulfill that by saying, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to respond? But there's a prerequisite to this. Last week we said this is the reward. This week we're gonna look at a story and it's kinda strange. So if this is your first time in a new community, it's, it's basically describing heaven and anytime that happens, from the Old Testament to the New, it's kinda different, surreal. Let me just say it's out of this world. It kinda is because it's in heaven, okay? Coming down. And periodically, we see stories this way. Do you ever have somebody who's like a friend and, and they're normal and then all of a sudden they have special gifts and so you're just stunned by the way they're not normal? Like my best friend, Ken, his name is Ken as well. Great name, means handsome. We both agreed on it, okay? We, he, he just was had a high, super high IQ. And I forgot about it because we played basketball all the time and played sports and things like that. But peri periodically, he'd figure something out in the millisecond. I'm like, you know, that would take me a lifetime to figure out. It's like this OMG moment. Oh my God, he's like really smart. We have one of the founders in our church, his name's Doug Weston, and he's really strong. He's in the softball hall of fame because he can hit a softball, not just a home run, but like seven home runs in a row, just the, the ball just keeps going. Kind of like in the movies where it just goes to the outer space or something like that. Doug hit it that hard. He had just superhuman strength. He played for the Huskies, offensive linemen and stuff. So he was strong. And periodically, I'd forget about it. And one time, we're in the office, and it was just a super heavy object that needed moved. And it took like five or six of us guys just to move one in and then the other. And I, would, I just said, oh, it bugs me. He goes, what bugs you? He goes, that cabinet, it's out of place. It's just slightly off kilter. And Doug goes, I'll, I'll, where do you want to move it? And I go, we'll just get some guys. And he goes over, and he lifts it right in place, just on his own. My jaw drops, and it's that OMG moment, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> He's got super... Human strength, oh my God, God of the heavens. God has a fulfilling for you, you have a calling. And he wants to give you a nickname someday on a white rock that only you'll know it says, you could share it, but it's just between you and Jesus. And we have an assignment in this world because he has the whole world in his hands, but my friends, he, Christian, is relying on you to fulfill that. And so some of the most unique verses in the world have these assignments, but they also have this outer world kind of weirdness, do, 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 you know, kind of feeling, right? And it's all about what God will become, what you might become. The weirdest inside looks are usually these connection points where Isaiah sees a vision, John in Revelation sees a vision, Moses looks at a burning bush, but there's a revelation that God wants to show a part of who he is. Jesus is kind of that way. But most of us, at least for me, when I think of the name Jesus Christ, I think of him as being fully man, right? God became man. And so Jesus has, you know, he looks like a man. And so I'm always connecting Jesus to the fully man side. But theologically, he's also God. 
And he's completely God. In fact, he was God first. He existed forever. And then came down this great story of the incarnation. God became man and God is with us. And periodically, the disciples had the same OMG experience. They kind of forgot about who he was. And they'd walk with him and this and that. And Jesus says, hey, James, John, you want to go to the mountain with me, Peter? Come on. They go up this mountain and all of a sudden, woo-hoo-hoo, woo Elijah and Moses are on both uh, one side of the other and it's this transfiguration and Jesus shows as much as they can without killing them of his glory. And it's like, Peter's freaking out, kind of wants to make three statues for each of them, kind of um, <laughs> commemorate the moment, I guess. And the father speaks and it's just like really weird. And you forget he's not just fully man, but Jesus Christ is all God as well. And the wildest stories come out of these moments when God wants to reveal a little bit to us humans. And all of a sudden, there's this moment. And and so one of the weirdest stories in the Bible is in Isaiah 6. And Isaiah is a prophet. In the Old Testament, there are 17 books in the Bible that are about prophecy. Five of them are called major prophets. They're only called major because they're the longest. They wrote the longest, okay? Not that they're more important than the other. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel um, are, are the books that are just long, Lamentations. And, and they kind of are there for a calling. And so in the middle of that, Isaiah is not only just a major prophet, but he's one of the most important prophets in the Old Testament. His book that he wrote is 66 chapters, and it replicates the Bible. The Bible is 66 books in the Bible. Isaiah is 66 chapters in the Bible. The first 39 books, chapters in the, uh, in the book of Isaiah are about judgment is coming because of our sin. And then he shifts gears. And in, in, in chapter 40, the next 27 is about the grace of God and how God forgives Israel for the judgment they had. And this is exactly like the Old Testament, 39 books in the Bible talking about our goodness is never good enough, that we need a God that's going to give us grace because we try our best, but we blow it, right? And the next 27 chapters in the Bible, the New Testament, and guess what theme is talked about in the New Testament? Law or grace? Grace. And so Isaiah replicates this. He lived 724 years before Jesus ever came. And it stuns scholars who don't believe Jesus is God, don't believe the Bible's inerrant or inspired. It stuns them because he has so many prophecies about one man coming years later and Christ fulfilled those. They don't know what to do with it. It's often called the fifth gospel in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, go back to the Old Testament, Isaiah, because there are so many crystal clear prophecies about who this Messiah will be, that he'll be a suffering servant before he will ever reign, that it confounds people. And in the middle of this, Isaiah describes his calling for God, the the calling that all of us in this room have. Whether we fulfill it or not is up to you, but all of us have a calling. All of us have a nickname that Jesus is prepared to give you along with a a manna meal someday. And Isaiah heard the calling. And so Isaiah chapter six, if you have your Bibles, or it'll just be behind me here, is a story of his calling. And it says, in the year of King Uzziah died, and pause here for a second, Uzziah was, we hardly know him as at least 
in the Bible. There's not much mention about the guy, but he was the second most successful king in all of Israel other than Solomon, okay? Uh, his economically, he was strong. Agriculturally, he was strong. Financially, he, he lived for 52 years. One of the things that made him so successful is kings don't last that long. Someone kills another one, another one kills another one, you know, so they reign for a couple of years, 10 years, 15, gone, right? But this, this man lived 52 years. He was so successful. How successful was he? Uh, yeah, okay. He was so successful that he disobeys God, goes in the temple, God strikes him with leprosy, and he, so he'll have it the rest of his life, and he still reigns as a leper. Think about it. In those days, you're out of the city, out of the culture, you're gone, and he still reigns with success. He's the FDR, to a certain degree, of Israel kings. FDR, look that up if you don't know who that president is, okay? But very little is written about him. The Bible... It cares more, and God cares more, hint, hint, about who you are and your calling than your portfolio or how much money you got or what kind of job you want to have. And it was also personally this moment of Uzziah's death was Isaiah and, and Uzziah were cousins. So in a sense, Uzziah had the inward ear politically there was comfort and peace and tranquility and prosperity and security and safety. And, and Isaiah was comfortable with that. Isaiah was. And he was comfortable because his cousin gave him freedom of speech and religious freedom. And then it all came crashing down in the year of Uzziah's death, right? See, it's rarely in success of life do we see God. Isaiah didn't get his calling until the pain began. It's rarely in success. God's speaking. We're just not listening. We're, it's too loud. The money's too loud. The economy's too loud. We just are enjoying life too much. But when there's a little bit of pain, call it a pandemic, all of a sudden our ears are a little bit more aware. I don't know about you, but mine are. It's so good to see you all here. They say that pastors are like super depressed because you just, there aren't any people anymore coming. I could see it a little bit, right? Because they're so us-centered. But it's in the pain that God speaks the most. See, we're far too busy when things are going well. When things are merry, um, we don't want to be merciful. We're far too busy with gaining more uh, than giving and giving less when things are going well. We're far too busy with living through the kids than living through him, amen? And because of the ease of living, we're not listening. And it's so easy to do. I can do it and do it quite well because we're just not spiritually ready. And a pandemic of some type hits our lives and the kids rebel and the marriage goes distant and the cutbacks happen and the health goes bad, right? Or maybe even worse, a true pandemic hits and for the first time, because we weren't ready, <laughs> Big Brother directs our life, laws trump morals, vaccines replace health habits, and masks are the only command that we seem to be talking about. Won't it be a day, a glorious day, when we never mention the word COVID or mask on a given day in, this, in our lives? Amen? <laughs> Rarely in success do we see God. But here's the amazing thing. God sees you. And always, when life goes wrong, He is there. He loves you that much. 
that in the bottom pit of life, he is there for you. And for Isaiah and for us, the pain and the loss and the fear gives us a moment to suddenly what? See God. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. One of the greatest prophets ever had to wait and for that pain moment, that panic moment, what's gonna happen to my beloved nation? My cousin just died. In the year of King Uzziah's death, when I didn't know what was going to happen, I leaned on God. And Isaiah saw the Lord, not in might and not by power, but by weakness and insecurity and insecurity. That's when he saw God. Do y'all remember the day you made a decision for Jesus? Do you kind of remember that? For many of you, if you were up here kind of sharing your testimony, that day would be amidst because your marriage was a wreck or your dreams were shattered or your kids were running or the job running away or your job wasn't being fulfilled or the loss of a relationship and all of a sudden you were running to God. My my very favorite quote of all time outside the Bible is C.S. Lewis, and he says this, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is the megaphone to rouse a deaf world, and it's God's megaphone. And for Isaiah, in the year of pain, for a new community, in the year of pain, for us, in the year of this pandemic pain, we want to see the Lord. And it's in the year of pain that God is there. And for Isaiah, suddenly he sees God. And not only does he see the Lord, the word Lord means sovereign master. I love the NET translation here. In the year of King Uzziah's desk, I saw the sovereign master seated on high, elevated, okay? And the word that means Adonai, it means I'm sovereign over all. And then there's a bunch of inexplicable pictures coming up, okay? In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the sovereign master on the high, elevated on the throne, and the hem of his robe was filled in the temple. Now, that's just a lot of imagery that's, it's a vision that Isaiah is seeing about God, and the temple was the place where the Jews came to worship, but it wasn't even just that. It was different than a church building or, you know, church in a barn or anything like that. God was in there. God was in the actual building. They couldn't even enter. If they entered death because what a sinner they are and what God is holy and there was no advocate to say, let me bridge that or take care of it like Jesus does for us. And so they had to have this huge, thick curtain in the way. Jesus dies, Christ dies on the cross, the curtain is cut and there's access to God forever. But they knew God was in the box. God was in that temple. And for Isaiah, God is filling the entire temple. Now, in the New Testament theology, temple just means where God lives. God lives somewhere different now. Do you all know where that is? The temple of God in the New Testament? Anyone? Yeah, amen. You three can come up in front seat. You're A-plus students, all right? The temple of God is us. The Holy Spirit decides to in-house in us. He doesn't want just a little bit of you. Did you notice the robe in Isaiah's thing? It filled the entire temple. He wants all of us. Do you ever do a little bit of Jesus? I do that. And then he comes knocking on my you know, heart and he goes, no, I want that as well. And, and this over here, yeah, I'd love to take that over as well. And your pride, let's just get that out. I'll house clean that. You know how he does that? 
And, and, and suddenly God wants all of us. More strange stuff comes. I see this, Isaiah sees angels. Okay, not only does he see angels, specific ones called seraphs, okay? And Sarah stood over him. I know, this is weird. Sarah stood over him, and he had six wings. Six wings and two sets, three sets of feet. Two wings covered their faces, two wings covered the feet, and they used the remaining to fly. So someday when you get to heaven, that sounds weird. Just remember, this was weird 30 years ago, okay? <laughs> so someday we're going to see seraphs, and, and maybe you'll get to fly because, who knows, uh, just go tell Jesus if you can't. Ken promised me I could fly. Can you help me? So maybe he will, okay? For Isaiah suddenly sees God. And seraphim were literally interesting language. It's kind of like a snake figure. It's purity and speed is what it's really saying. Like a, the, the speed of a, a snake. Uh, my thought is that Satan falls and God condemns him just crawl on the ground, and so he's the worst-looking seraphim ever. <laughs> um, but that's a different story. You're going to want to know more about angels, so let me just teach you six points. You ready? Number one, angels were created beings. Uh, angels were created beings, and before the foundation of the world, there are five types. They have five purposes. Seraphim are obviously to worship God, and, and others guard, Michael the archangel, and all kinds of angels. You can look them up for various purposes. Number three, a third of them fell. Lucifer in, in Ezekiel 28 says, your heart became proud because of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. Lucifer was the highest ranking angel of all before his fall. They had a choice. Every angel had a choice. And a third fell. Some of who are demons are active in the prosecution of his unholy purposes and others are kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains or judgment on the great day, Jude 6 and other places. And, and the fourth point here is, they're more powerful than humans. It's why the temptation was so easy for Adam and Eve, okay, when Satan crawls in the garden. And they are more powerful than us. But Jesus says, I'm going to lower myself to a lower sphere to lift the entire sphere. Someday we'll be elevated over angels. There's your asterisk. Number five, spiritual warfare is real, y'all. I think this is probably the biggest point you need to take in. And I can prove that. We all have weaknesses. All sin is tempting. Certain sins are more tempting. And we kind of fall on flat on our faces on those. And you can't fix it yourself, can you? It's frustrating. And there's a real battle. And so the point that Paul makes in Ephesians 6 isn't how cool angels are, but it's how real the battle is. And the only offensive weapon you have is your Bible. So read it, okay? Moral of the story. And point six is this. This is important. The longest Ken has ever preached on angels is right now, okay? They are, Jesus Christ is way more important than the interest of angels. So don't bother with them. Get to know Jesus. In fact, the seraphim felt the same way. And they cry out, holy, 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 just like you did. We just worshiped, right? And crying out, God, you're holy, holy, holy is the Lord who commands the armies. And the interesting thing of this repetition, truly, 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 Jesus used to say, truly, truly, it's for emphasis, but when the word holy, holy, holy comes, you begin to see the Trinity coming out in the middle of the Old Testament that is alluded to but confirmed in the New Testament. There is a three triune God, 
one person in three, per, in three one, one God in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and there's a worship aspect that these angels, seraphim, are going, covering their face because God is, even in their lack of sin, no sin, they still can't see the holiness of who God really is. They cover their face, they, their feet are covered as well like Moses, take off your sandals for you're stepping on holy ground, and the seraphim's whole purpose is to do what our worship team did so gloriously in, you know, 30 minutes ago, Amen. And we get to sing about who God is. And I love this quote. I couldn't remember who wrote it, but, so I put it in quotes because I didn't write it. But it's, holiness is simply that we're set apart from that which is commonplace, special, and unique. Christian, you have a calling. Don't waste it. Don't face Jesus someday and put your head down because you didn't get one of these. You didn't fulfill your calling and who you are. You have a gift, you have talents, you have a gender, you have a background, you have a certain economic background. Don't waste those advantages, don't waste the pain. You have a calling, use it for Jesus Christ. And that's this message that I say it gets to. Okay, preacher's getting a little wound up, all right? And that whole holiness factor is to go to God and he begins to clean you as with a hot iron and metal. All the impurities get wiped away. And all that God sees because of the cross of Jesus Christ is a holy Christian set apart to do good works that God planned ahead of time that we should walk in them. Amen? And so Isaiah says, begins to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord who commands the armies. His majestic splendor fills the entire earth. There's nowhere you can go that God is not there. There's no pandemic that's gonna hold you back to understanding your calling, whether you're at home, in the gathering place, or here in the barn. You have a calling. God does not want us to put our Christianity on pause. That's wrong. And it's time to understand who we are. That doesn't mean if you need to stay at home, come to church. It means asking God during this time, what's my calling? Amen? For all of you. God who cares for you is sovereign and he can handle you and he can handle your problems. And he's here to say to all of us, I got this. And the angels were so focused on worship, the whole temple, this gets even creepier, the whole temple in the heavens begins to shake. You ever just saying, for the, maybe even with this pandemic, the first time you gathered together, talked to a friend just yesterday, they gathered together, they've been online for the whole year, and they got together like this moment, and they just started crying the very first time that God was with them. And what was Isaiah's response to this celestial vision that's kind of wow, and yet weird, right? He says, it's all over, I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I leg among people with filthy lips, because I have seen the king, the Lord of armies. And that, my friend, is exactly where God wants us to be. Remember, even in the New Testament, he saved us, not because of what? What's the word there in yellow? The righteous things we've done, the good things, but because of his love for you, no matter where you're at, in a spectrum of sin and righteousness. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that's not of yourself, it's a gift of God and out loud, not of what? Our works aren't gonna do anything for us. Lest anyone should boast about it. So how does this, our sin problem get resolved? What is the prerequisite before this can happen? 
And then one of the seraphim, Isaiah said, flew to a burning coal. It's where the sacrifices were made. Out of that coal, he took something that was taken care of on the cross for us and touches his lips. And it says your guilt is removed, not by your righteous works or not by any good stuff that you can boast about, but only by the sacrifice image of the old, which completed at the new when the God became man in the incarnation moment of life and walked this earth and for three and a half years ministered to this earth to tell us who, we were, who we, he is and what he could do and then gets on the cross and dies for our sins so that we can be seen as holy, holy, holy before the Father himself, just like Jesus. And your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. And that's something to applaud about, amen? Confession must precede cleansing. Our favorite verse should be, Christian, not to come to Christ again, but in 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful, he is just, and he will remove your sins and all the unrighteousness. And the word is everything, even the ones you forgot to confess. What God is just looking for is that I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Will you forgive me? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to be? What do you want me to say? So this week, let's be like a Isaiah who suddenly goes, and then I heard the Lord saying, who should I send? And he's asking us this question. He's asking you this question. I have a position. I have, oh, who could go? Who could do this for me? What ministry could you do at home? What kind of online thing that you could you do? What can I do? Who can I send? And all he's looking for, whether you're online, in the gathering place, here in the barn, it's just someone going, hey, send me. Because Isaiah was clean for what had happened at the sacrifice on the cross for us. And he said, here I am. Send me. This week, Let's review the story. Isaiah 6, 8, 9. And let's just say the same thing. Send me, God. When we see God for who he is, we can see ourselves for who we are. Let's pray. Father, we have to look up to look in. It takes an opportunity to see who you are. And you are a holy God, and we would instantly be fried, died, done. Without the grace of Jesus Christ, and yet the attribute of love and kindness and goodness that you have, and mercy and grace, lift us off the ground to be like Jesus. It's amazing. And so today, Lord, just to start off the week, we just want to say, if there's sin in our lives, we're wrong, we're sorry, will you forgive us? And then we want to say, here I am, send me. Friends, if there's um, a need in your life because you don't know God, I'd like to just pray with you a prayer that many of us have made in, in this room and online gathering place about connecting with God. Pray with me this. Father, I, I, know, I know I'm a sinner. I know I don't know you. I know I'm doing things my way. And the day I trust in Jesus, I believe that he's God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. And because he was God, he rose again. Father, I want to trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
and I want to hear a well done. I want to be rewarded with a rock. I want to follow you. So here I am. Send me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you're new and in the area of our campus, we encourage you to come and join us on a Sunday morning. You can visit us online to help plan your visit at newcommunity.us. Stay encouraged and remember our hope and prayer together here at New Community is to love God, make friends, and change the world. So have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday. Yeah.